Asbestos. Did you hear about that? Asbestos. What about asbestos? Wait, let, let me guess. Before you say it, I'm going to have a wild guess at this. Go for it. Someone America recently employed has let it become a, a thing that doesn't need to be worried about. Am I right? Oh, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go further than that. I'm gonna say that like American politicians have said that it's actually quite good for you. You should really <laughs> eat a bowl full of asbestos every morning. The EPA have approved the uh, the use of asbestos in some building materials. The shit that was taken out of houses in the seventies for being poison. Yeah, it's incredible. The consistent flaunting of comic book supervillainry is um I should have said supervillainy, not villainry. That's not a word. But you get the point. I said this morning you could vote a Captain Planet villain, any one of them, into office. Hoggish Greedley, um, Doctor Blight, Duke Nukem, that was one. Uh, Verminous Scum, at least Verminous Scum sounds like Jeff Goldblum. You could vote <laughs> any one of the Captain Planet villains into office, and the environment would breathe a sigh of relief. Jesus Christ. And Verminous Scum wishes he could do what happened in Flint. He looks at that and he's in awe. Unbelievable. As best. That's one of the one of the few truisms I knew growing up, right? Was that you've gotta have your polio jab and that asbestos make asbestos, if you put it in your house, you have made a house out of poison. Remember, Jim, you've, you, as long as you're putting the asbestos back in, we should really get back in on all those good healthy trends from the 70s, like lead paint for your child's room. We should really be putting lead paint on the on the walls again. Definitely! Lead everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, get let the the kids lick their lead paint walls. It'll be fine. Let's bring lawn darts back. Give giant metal darts to kids. And a nighty night arsenic sleepy time for your kids. You know. Yeah. Yeah. If you give them enough arsenic, they won't be awake anymore. <laughs> Take the little orange, uh, the little orange plastic stoppers off the end of toy guns. Let's put the cocaine back in the Coca Cola. Oh, I'm up for that one. Oh, oh yeah. Oh God, yeah. I'm on board with that one. So let's let's put in the win column: cocaine and coke. Let's make asbestos a breakfast cereal. Asbestios. A snortable. Although to be fair, you can already, if you want to snort poison into your brain every morning, you can just open Twitter. <laughs> oh. Uh, see, if if they start putting the, uh, the the cocaine back in the coke, then I probably won't mind about the asbestos back in the walls and the lead paint <laughs> on the walls and the, you know, that'll all be fine because I'll just be hopped up on Coca Cola. That's true. That very much reminds me of a game I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about a game, Gab? Just take your. Take your happies and everything will be fine. <laughs> uh, uh, right. Is that out now? I assume so, because Gab's got it. No, I got um, an early copy from someone. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Being, being, you know, a, a, a pop star has its perks. Ooh. Nice. I've got a code. I haven't got around to it uh, yet. I still don't know if I'm in it. We'll get to it, but I still don't know if I'm in it. I haven't noticed you so far. I got this feeling I haven't, because I've like they said I wasn't like out of it, but I recorded lines ages ago. Yeah. And they wanted to do a couple pickup lines, but we they never scheduled it. What were you? An NPC or Um nothing major, like like one of the army characters, like the army NPCs. Oh, because oh, I did that level. 
Maybe I did hear you, but just didn't notice. I know. I don't know. Like, there should be, like, NPC chatter in that. Mm. But, like, I'm, I'm one of those. Maybe Jim's just such a brilliant voice actor that you never even knew it was him. Maybe that is it. Disappeared into the role. <laughs> he was he was method acting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it seems a bit wild, though, Laura, to imagine Jim with his face painted white and doing drugs. I don't know. I don't know if I could imagine that. Oh, def- definitely can't picture it. Whoa. Yeah. That's definitely something that's never happened. No comment on that, any of that. It's <laughs> um, silver paint, anyway. That's the only bit I take issue with in that <laughs> in that description. Yeah, no, I'm guessing by the time this goes up, uh, embargo will be finished, as far as I know. Yeah. Well, the embargo was up for IGN. They had a live playthrough of it. All right. And got to a bit where uh, one of the characters was uh, admitting to plagiarism. <laughs> and I saw that clip. <laughs> My God, you've never seen, like... <laughs> Uh, You've never seen a more perfect image of something dawning on someone. Like, the looks on the faces. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, but uh, I will just say for now, like, IGN as an entity handled that as best they could, and I don't find them at fault. It was the cheeky, uh, the cheeky chappy who... Yeah, they could not have known that. No. Yeah. I own, I didn't really look into this much, but if your journalist is going to rip someone off, yeah. the only way you're going to know is if someone on your team had already seen the other video. And... Yeah. Should we should we introduce everyone and then jump into that one? Because that seems like a story to maybe get out of the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Jim Sterling, by the way. Hello. And this is Pod Position. Hello. Oh! And I'm here with Laura Dale. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you? Um, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm, I was I'm just shy of g- great, just shy of great, good, bordering on great. Uh, ha- kicked off my day by watching Raw, so that's always a downer. But um, we're here also joined by Gavin, the miracle of sound. Hello, Gavin. Hello. Uh, how are you? How are you, good sir? I'm good. I'm still hungover after a very uh, eventful weekend where we went to a wedding of a friend. And in the lobby of the hotel, we bumped into some of the guys from Primal Scream. Oh. Who then came into the wedding with us to listen to all the Shan No singing, which is basically at the end of many Irish weddings, there comes a point where everyone starts singing rebel songs. And you basically, usually it starts with like a granddad, but then some of the younger people will know it as well. So uh, they got, the Primal Scream boys got to hear loads of like, depressing and uplifting to Irish rebel songs with us. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I I wish I had any any like stories that exciting for why I'm like wrecked. I I just went to Pride. I think it's the third time I've been to a Pride march in like 5 weeks and yeah, it's a good excuse to get a bit wasted. It was it was good. Yeah. I've been sober for over 2 weeks. No, <laughs> sir. I do not like it. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, very, very nice lads. Very nice lads. We didn't meet Bobby Gillespie because he'd gone to bed. Uh, he was too busy having a primal dream. I've heard that about him. They call him Bobby Tired Boy Gillespie. Uh, he was moving on up now to his bedroom. Oh, it's a shame they didn't go with you, Laura. Then they could be Pridal Scream. <laughs> uh, so yeah, should we talk about this IGN thing? Right. Yeah, IGN published a plagiarised review of Dead Cells. Yeah. The short version of this is there was a review for Dead Cells that was put up on IGN. It came from IGN's Nintendo editor, uh, Philip Mewson, who he's been with the company for like, I think like six months to a year or so. He was previously a Nintendo-centric YouTuber, and 
Yeah, a video popped up where someone was like, hey, here's my video review for, for Dead Cells, and IGN's video review for Dead Cells, and um, they seem to have all the same points in the same order, with several of the same phrases used, including some very lengthy specific ones, to the point that like the video review is the same length of time, and you can like skip to the same timestamps and they'll be saying the same thing. Yeah. The channel is Boomstick Gaming and they did the comparison video. You first watch it and you think, okay, these are coincidences. Yeah. You've always got to be careful when you first say the P word because especially in media, that's one of the cardinal sins. I was initially like, yeah, I, I watched the first like maybe minute and a half of this and I was thinking... Okay, maybe this is just some parallel thinking. This is some, you know, some coincidence going on. Yeah, you start sceptical. And then as you watch it and it goes on, it starts... It, it's too many. You get like two and a half, three minutes in and it's like, Oh... Uh, here's a, here's a big old sentence about how it reinvents the 2D, 2D genre while not having big cooldown timers and like, it's just hitting all these points with the same turns of phrase in the same order. The same flow, yeah. Same pacing, it's very strange and... It reminds me of when you were given an assignment at school to, like you were given a, a piece of writing and you were told to explain that writing. Oh, God, yeah. In your own words. And if you were feeling lazy that day, it was a silly practice anyway. It just it looks like a primer for plagiarism, that, that sort of activity. Um, but all you would do was just change some words around. You'd, you'd, you know, if something was very, you might swap it for extremely or something like that. And that seems like that's what happened here. And it seems like it was more effort than if they'd just written their own original fucking thing. Look at, looking into this, there's been like, th th there's a phrase that comes around with plagiarism, which is plagiarism never only happens once. And people have dug back into this guy's backlog. And there's one in particular that's been circulating, which was a FIFA review. And... The long and short of it is it does really seem like that's where he started, is that he may have started with the, I'll look at someone else's review, bullet point it out, and then rewrite those bullet points in my own words. That way I don't have to play fucking FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it'll be the same points in the same order, just like, oh, I just like condensed it down and then added my own words to remake the sentence. And then this looks like it was the review where he just got lazy and stole sentences whole cloth without changing them. Like, this is... Yeah. Yeah. Your plagiarism will find you out. <laughs> yeah. Kind of reminds me of a thing I sent Laura this week, actually, of another gaming YouTuber, musician type, whose song was similar to mine to the point where it was, like, kind of insane. <laughs> I... I don't know enough about music theory to know if that is plagiarism or if that is something that could be parallel thinking, but it's it was very weird to listen to when you sent it to me. Yeah. 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 It it was like one note different to not be uh to, to be legal, basically. <laughs> and it's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> yeah. Right writing is a thing I know though, and like it's a real shame, because I really I really liked Philip Mewson as a as a person at IGN. I very much appreciated what I thought was his work. Um and it's a real shame to see to see this out out of a writer that I, I really enjoyed. 
it, it's a, it's confusing as well because before and after the review, this writer was praising Dead Cells on a level where yeah, it seemed they were really championing it. Can I ask you a quick a quick question? What's that? Was this writer with IGN for a while? For a while, yeah, about half a year. Yeah, he's he's been there for like six months or a year, being in charge of all their Nintendo stuff. Like he's he's not new, and he's in a relatively senior position there. Yeah, like that. That's another layer of confusion because I'd expect this out of a freelancer looking for a quick buck. I wouldn't expect this out of someone who has a potential career. I mean, the level of stupidity. That, that has to go into this because if you if you're gonna copy a YouTube channel even if they're small they will make a video out of it and we as a media love fucking gossip so of course the the signal will get boosted almost instantaneously which it was the issue is that that he's plagiarized it and posted it on IGN because everyone's going to see his thing like it's it's going to get back to the original youtuber because it's not just some blog somewhere stole your thing. IGN stole it. Yeah, like, I've, I've had op- co- uh, articles of mine lifted and put on those shitty blogs that exist only to generate traffic. And those are... It's fucking annoying and horrible. I've had entire, like, mirror websites pop up that just steal my content verbatim. I've had that. I've had Facebook groups that just lift my fucking shit. Like, I've been plagiarised plenty, but not by someone with that level of accountability. Yeah. And that's that's what surprises me. And it surprises me they were championing Dead Cells when this is the kind of work you do when you couldn't be bothered to play the game. There is one thing that I think is of note with this story, which is that he it, it has been acknowledged, and I'm not saying this as, like, this is an excuse, but it might partially explain why he felt the need to do it. This was his first video review for IGN. And I can maybe conceive of a world in which he thought that this was... Maybe he was nervous because he's never done anything of this particular type for the site and he was anxious about it and that's why he went and did it. I'm not saying that makes it good. You're... you're rash... you're... Um, what's the word for this? You're not justifying, you're trying to... Um, rational, is rationalise the word? Yeah... Well, it's it's what what Jim was saying a minute ago, where he was like he could see a newbie writer doing this, but not someone experienced. Maybe he was a newbie at this particular aspect and panicked. I don't know. I don't even see a newbie writer doing this. No, I mean I I look at a hack freelancer would do this. Not all freelancers are hacks. I do plenty of freelance myself, but a hack freelancer who has no level of accountability. That that would be the most likely candidate. And that's who I thought this was at first. And then I was like, holy shit, no, this is a, a staffer. Um, and, but if, if anything, that rationalisation makes it worse for me. Because if it's your debut fucking video review, I would think as a matter of artistic pride or critical pride or just some sort of fucking pride. This should be your moment to shine yeah you make it your best work like like put the fucking effort in if it's your debut yeah so the the fallout for this was initially the reviews were taken down and IGM were like look we're gonna look into this about 24 hours later they announced like yeah we've we've let this writer go he's no longer with us we apologize for this situation 
less reported on. Um, I've seen tweets from, I believe it's um, Pear Schneider over at IGN, basically talking about the fact that they've reached out to the person who did the review that was plagiarised, with the intention of, they've not said exactly what they're doing, but they're doing something along the lines of giving the ad revenue that was earned on that review to the person who was plagiarised. That's classy. That's classy. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that that's how they can at least maintain some good faith here with the community is by... Because, I mean, to be fair, that is only that is only fair. It's like, like, like when the Verve had to give all their money to the Rolling Stones for Bittersweet Symphony. It seems like at the very least they've done the minimum they can do because it seems pretty clear in hindsight, like, okay, some plagiarism happened. I feel, I feel bad for... I feel a little bad for this writer in the sense that, like, yeah, they fucked up and this is going to be the end of their career. Like, you don't bounce back from editor at major outlet and you plagiarise someone. Yeah. And also, let me just say right now, like, I didn't mention the, the writer's name on my video that I did of it. Um, mostly because anyone watches YouTube, um, not just your own core audience. And, and I think it would be less likely that we have problems to listeners here, but... Don't go harassing the writer. Oh yeah, no. They've they've paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> they've lost their job and they probably won't get another fucking job in this industry again. Uh, I think that's just desserts. And IGN a lot of people are dumping on them, but as as we said at the top of the show, that they did all they reasonably could. And, and no editor can reasonably see every single uh review of a game, especially on something like YouTube. Um so you know, I think they 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 handled it with all the integrity you could expect. They they did everything they could have done. They trusted someone who was in a senior position to not plagiarize. Once it became apparent they had, they took the review down. They looked over the the accusations. They got rid of the writer once it was clear plagiarism had happened. They've reached out to the original author to try and compensate them. They've done everything that they can realistically do. Yeah. They so yeah. And and the other thing is, it's just a shame that this is all surrounding dead cells. Um, like I tweeted last night that it was the shit, uh, and we will talk about it a bit in a bit. But um, you know, so many of the replies were just making jokes about the plagiarism, uh, and I, I worry that that is now casting a huge shadow over dead cells. Yeah, I I really hope it doesn't, because dead cells is fantastic. Really fucking good though. Really fucking good. Should we t- should we talk about? Yeah, should we talk about it, it now, and then we'll get on to Gav's, uh, Gav's game in a bit? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I got through three runs just uh, before we started, and I've got the music still stuck in my head, and all I can think about is Dead Cells right now. I am playing it while we're talking right now. <laughs> like, I'm literally sat here playing it at the second. I don't blame you. It's fucking great. Uh, I got it for the Switch. I was waiting for the Switch one to come out. I'm very not surprised by that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's the same reason that, like, it, it's replaced the Binding of Isaac in my gaming rotation, and for the same reasons, it's really grabbed me on the Switch, which is, it's that kind of sort of roguelike game that it's really easy to just pick up for ten minutes, do one run, make some, some like, permanent progression, and then try again. Yep. Uh, and then... And- it's it's got that wonderful design where you first fight like a you meet a boss or some challenge and you think I can't do this this is bullshit but you play it again and then you play it again and then just like binding of Isaac just like something like Dark Souls 
you feel encouraged because you're like, okay, I'm making actual progress here. I'm making a dent in this challenge. And I've, I now know what this boss does. The shock factor's over. The panic uh, section's done with. Now let's work out how to take the bastard down. And then you get killed, inevitably, but then pick, up, pick yourself up again and said, right, I got a bit closer. And you go do it again. And it's tough to do that because it requires some fucking good design to sort of that, that line between challenging and just bollocks. And some games, you know, go the Battletoads route of just bollocks. Yeah. But every now and then you get a game that sets out to be tough and challenging while actually being quite well designed as well, so that you don't feel discouraged from playing. You feel like you are getting better and doing and like going further. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like a Metroidvania 2D action game, some platformy stuff in it, um, randomly generated level layouts and stuff. It's got a very nice uh, aesthetic. I'm looking at it there. I like the way they have the bright reds against the the darker greens and turquoise blue. It's very pretty. Yeah, it does some really nice stuff with colour, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very striking. It, it's basically like, I, I've seen a lot of people basically just describe it as 2D Dark Souls. Hmm. And that kind of is the basics of what's going on. It's a little bit of that with a little bit... I, I keep comparing it to Binding of Isaac just in the way that its procedurally generated levels don't feel bad to me. They feel like... How do I describe them? It feels like a lot of very well-designed areas strung together rather than just, here is a bunch of pieces that will hope go together. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm consistently impressed by that, that the level layouts don't feel random. Even though there's random elements to it, it feels like it's naturally laid out. You don't... There are a few dead ends and stuff like that, but not so much where you think, they didn't think about where this was placed. They just threw this together. It doesn't feel thrown together at all. So everything feels crafted, even though there are random elements. And I, I, I don't know, I feel like it's a bit reductive to just say it's 2D Dark Souls. Yeah. Especially because I think about The Binding of Isaac a lot more when I play this than I do Dark Souls. Yeah, this, this is the thing, is this wouldn't replace... If I had an urge to play Dark Souls, I wouldn't play this instead. If I had an urge to play Binding of Isaac, I might play this instead. It's definitely scratching Binding of Isaac's itch a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the randomised weapons that you can pick up, they're all really fun to play with and experiment with. Um, I've got to learn to use the traps a lot more because they really do change the game. Yeah. Uh, Thing, throwing things out like crossbow turrets or like wolf traps and stuff like that um, it's just really fun and I like how generous it is with the recharges on those so you are encouraged to use them a lot. I think the longest recharge timer I've seen on one of those traps is like 7 seconds at most and that's like, that's not long for a game like this. Yeah, and even then between levels you can get a mutation um, you can choose these permanent permanent for that one run mutations that give you bonuses between levels and one of them char uh, reduces the cooldown meter on those so by that point you could just lob those fucking things out which i'm trying to do at the moment to beat the concierge i haven't got past the first fucking proper boss yet oh neither have i getting really close i stopped to heat like on the run just before i came here i stopped to heal at the wrong moment and he fucking battered me 
Um, so I was a little heartbroken about that, but I'm getting close, getting fucking close to taking the concierge down. I'm looking forward to what comes next. I have seen that boss once and that's about as far as I've gone with that, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it is a really really nice little game. Uh, there's some of just the the move set things that feel very responsive and rewarding to do. I love the sort of like downwards ground pound you mm. can do anytime you go downwards. I I no longer climb down chains. I just pound down every time. <laughs> Most of the time I do. Yeah, just pounding it. It's things like rather than opening doors, you can you can attack them and they'll stun an enemy on the other side. It all just feels really nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the dodging as well. Like, I, I was recommended Salt and Sanctuary a lot, but something about that never quite caught me, and it, it, I think it's because it felt a bit stodgy to me, whereas this has such a beautiful fluidity to it that, like, as you say, it's responsive, it's fast, uh, the different weapons all feel great so far to use. Uh, and you've you've got ranged options and melee options and these traps and the dodge is uh, nice and wide and gives you a, a nice sort of spurt of invinci- invincibility so you can get through attacks and never feels cheap. It, none of this has felt cheap to me while I've been playing it. It's all felt very fair because I've got plenty of options on my end and the enemies are tough, but those options give you a good edge. So yeah, like I've had I've had my head caved in by this game a lot since I got it. But I've not once been truly annoyed with it. No, it it never feels unfair. Like there've been a couple of times early on where I rushed into things and felt a little overwhelmed. But once I sort of started to learn like okay, don't rush into these kind of encounters. Like it's it's just felt very fair and like every time I make a run, as long as I can get through that first level at least, I have a lot of options open to me in terms of like those mutations for like, okay, how do I want to try and do it this time? Yeah. It gives you tools to mess around with and says, okay, it's going to be maybe five minutes max if you die to get back here. Try something out. And once you play it like a couple runs, it becomes so intuitive. That's another really good thing about this game is just how intuitive it is to where you start accidentally speed running like there are rewards for getting to certain areas quickly and at first i was like well that's unreasonable i'm not gonna rush through a level and miss stuff but eventually it becomes so quick you're like you know where you're going to allocate skill points when you pick up a skill uh, scroll you just know it by what the what items you currently have and what you want to do and you know how to tackle the enemies because they've got um, really nice, recognisable patterns. So eventually you are blazing through and moving quickly and attacking and rolling and jumping and ground pounding and pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. And it just feels so fucking good. Like I was recording some footage and I was like, you know what, this footage is going to be embarrassing. I'm going to look like an idiot. People are going to go get good at me. (laughs) But I, I started kicking it up and I'm like, this feels great and I feel great playing it. I feel like I'm good at this. Even if I'm not that good at it, it's still got that great instant feedback. That is a sign of a very good game is it it makes you feel like you're good at it when you've played it for a while. Yes, that's it. Like, and, And then by the time you die, inevitably, you just think, well, okay, I, that's a learning experience. I, I think for me, it's like, even if I don't feel good at it, I feel like I'm improving every time I try. And that 
becoming good is within grasp. By becoming good, what I mean is it makes you feel like you're becoming kind of one with the control scheme and yeah. stuff, not necessarily battering your way through it. Yeah. You just, you know this game. You feel innately like, you might not know everything, but the phantom, the fundamentals you know. Um, and, and yeah, that, that this game nails that really well. Um, and I will say, like as far as the Dark Souls comparisons go, the atmosphere is clearly very inspired by it. There's a lot of ruins with this sense of alluded to history without explaining very much. Except this is quite funny. So it's like a comedy version of a Dark Souls-style desolate world. Um, lots of little side asides and quips from their main character. Fun little NPCs who will remember you as you go through each run because the world doesn't reset if you die. Um, the idea is that, you know, the character just crawls back into uh, basically like a suit of armor or something and just carries on again. Um, so NPCs remember you and have little their own little stories and you find little rooms that you can investigate with like scenery details, like a prisoner's cell with a bed and a little incident. There was a room I found with uh, flowers. Someone has, had tried to grow some sort of poisonous... Uh, flower or like a like an Audrey 2 kind of thing and you could investigate that and investigate the flowers on the floor and then you see a body just hanging holding a flower and you investigate that and the character's like I like wants to give it a moment of silence then just thinks sod that I'm in a hurry and just kicks the corpse down and loops <laughs> the body um little things like that it's it's quick snappy little jokes it doesn't try to be too funny it's just got this nice little bit of silliness running through it. Uh, it's such a fucking good game. <laughs> I think the thing that makes me compare it to Dark Souls mostly is the pacing of sort of how you need to keep sort of zoning with enemies and keeping just out of their range long enough to be like, okay, that's the opening in their attack pattern. Get in, get those attacks, get back out of their range. That, that sort of pacing of trying to position yourself around enemies does feel very similar to me still. Like, it, it, I would say that feels more similar to Dark Souls than, say, to Binding of Isaac. Oh yeah, no doubt the, the game is clearly inspired by Dark Souls. Yeah. In some parts. It's just a very good game. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a great old time with this. I mean, you know, I've only been playing it since yesterday at the time of recording, but already it's on the shortlist for, like, year-end awardy things. It's just that instantaneously good. Yeah, I, I picked it up yesterday as well, and I have just not been able to put this thing down. Cool. Yeah, so, uh, Gav, do you want to talk about the game you've been playing? Yeah, I will. Because you, you played a game as well this week. Yeah, got a nice early access uh, version of the final release version of We Happy Few. Um, interesting game. Um, Steam is telling me I've played 10 hours, which probably means I've played about 7 to 8 hours. And, uh, okay, for the first, like, 6 or so, I was really, really enjoying it. This, basically, so for anyone listening who doesn't know what this is, it's kind of like a stealth game with survival elements. Uh, you can turn off most of the survival stuff if you want. I went in with the food and sleep and stuff on because I was told that's the best way to play. Kind of regretting my decision <laughs> a little bit later, but we'll get to that. So for the first few hours, I was really enjoying this. It's got an intriguing story um, about a guy who 
is basically everyone takes happy pills um, uh, to avoid thinking about a, a horrific past, which you gradually uh, learn about. But anyway, at the beginning of the game, he gets kicked out of the town because he doesn't take his happy pills and he goes to the outside. Now, for this first part of the game where you're outside the town, I was really digging this game, learning about the story, exploring the villages, talking to people, doing stealth missions. Uh, it's not, not the best stealth game in the world, but it's functional. It's got a few bugs and things. Um, the, the food and stuff wasn't feeling too intrusive. However, then I got to the town where all the kind of happy people on their drugs live. Yeah. And let me tell you about my first 10 minutes in this town. So I went in, uh, I needed sleep. I forgot to sleep. So I was sleepy. So I was trying to find a bed to sleep in. Uh, unfortunately, in this town, you have to pop a pill every like two to three minutes. That's how fast it goes down, this meter. Every two to three minutes, you have to jump into a fucking phone. You have to find a phone booth and take a pill so that you're on your happy pills. Because if you come off the happy pills, everyone notices and the entire village chases you down and fucking murders you. And I couldn't find a bed. So here I am wandering around this town, uh, trying to find a bed while stopping into these phone boots all the time. And if you, oh, if you take too many of the pills, you also start having negative effects where everyone attacks you. So it's just completely stressful. Uh, see, that was my worry about it. So what happened was... My my pill ran out. Um, one of the bobbies, as they're called, the police, saw me. Next thing, the entire village is chasing me, right? So I ran into a phone book, took a pill, and it, suddenly they all stopped chasing me. It's like, oh, okay, that's obviously the mechanic. That's pretty simple. All you have to do is nip into a phone booth. So it happened again, it ran out, but this time nipping into the phone booth didn't help. So I have the entire village chasing me again. They kill me because I couldn't get away. And here's the thing. It says run away and hide, but there's nowhere to hide. It's just straight streets. Yeah. You, they don't give you hiding spots, so you just have to hopefully run and, until you don't bump into anyone. It sounds very similar to the early access experiences I've had with it over the months. Yeah, this was, this was going to be my question quickly, Gav. Was, yeah. Did you play this at any point before now, or is this your first experience with it? No. No, this is this is my first experience with it, because I, I never play early access games. I always wait for the first release or the full release rather um so basically anyway after you after i died woke up on a bench at this point not only was i lacking sleep but i was hungry as well so now i need to sleep and find food so my stamina meters fucked and i'm off my happy pills oh, God. so as soon as i spawn back in a fucking cop sees me and everyone's chasing me again <laughs> literally the moment i fucking spawned and I went into the phone boot. That didn't work. So the whole town's chasing me with this tiny stamina bar. I had no chance of ever getting away. And this just became a loop. And I was like, I've kind of fucked this game at that point. <laughs> yeah. I did get out of it eventually and I'm enjoying it again now. But it seems like maybe playing it with the survival stuff off is preferable to people like me who just want to have a nice story. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely not going to be having that stuff on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so over survival mechanics as a whole. But but here's the thing. The happy pills are not optional. You have to do that every fucking two, three minutes. You have to take your happy pill. Really? That sounds different to 
when I because I played earlier versions, um, they didn't seem that crucial. I'll be interested to see what they've done there. No, I mean you can you can still you can let it run out and stealth your way through the game. Yeah. But that's incredibly time-consuming and difficult. Right, gotcha. Um, yeah, it sounds like the issues you've had were that they've basically delayed the issues rather than fixed some of them. Because when I first played We Happy Few, the, the very original early access version, um, that was the problem with the game all of the time was I constantly need somewhere to sleep, constantly need to find some food, constantly need to find the water. Um, and it was just incredibly, as you said, stressful. And it feels like at that point you're not surviving, you're babysitting an idiot who cries for food every three minutes. Exactly. And it was it, the, the, the stuff was fine in the first area because you have time to do that. And the food and the sleep and things are quite slow. But, and and also in that first area, there's loads of hiding places you can run off. I don't. I just. I don't know. I just. It com- the game complete. It complete. I've never had a game completely change so much for me just by going to a new area. Yeah. And go from something I was really enjoying to something I just found an absolute chore. That's a shame. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping it. It kind of. I'm hoping this is just because a once off and that it, it kind of picks up again for me because I was really really enjoying that first six hours. It's got a really cool story and i like the main character so we'll see <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a problem with with a lot of survival games that are are not balanced efficiently is you end up in that loop of diminishing returns where you just feel like you're slowly going down a fucking drain pipe as you just lose more resources and that just makes you less efficient which makes you less able to get resources um if if you've got that loop, something's wrong with the game design. Plus, look at look at this is this now sums it up perfectly, right? I was uh, I had this mission to just literally my mission, right, was to watch two lovers on a bench, fetch a flower for the guy to give to the girl, and then watch them chat, right? And this now this mission is literally right around the corner from my safe house. So like, I exited the safe house, took my stupid happy pill, went around the corner. By the time I'd finished the first conversation with the dude, I had to take another one. So I had to go back to the fucking phone box, come back again and do the second part of the mission, which is literally just him giving her the flowers. And then my joy was gone again and it ran out. And then the fucking whole village is chasing me. (laughs) And I'm like, all I wanted to do was give the fucking dude some flowers for the girl. (laughs) And here's the thing, right? I get chased by an entire village of people enough times in real life. I do not need to be run out of another fucking town in a video game as well. You know what it is? It's Naughty Joke on Twitter Simulator, this game. <laughs> the the only other question I think I've got is, um, apparently this game in the current state has multiple protagonists. Yeah. Do you just start with a set one or do you have an option to choose which one you start with? Um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, chronological, so I don't recall getting an option to start with any other character other than the one I'm on now. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Which is, you know, a shame because that if there's two more characters, that means the difficulty is probably going to ramp up from here. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, please God, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I really want to like it. I really, really, really want to like it. My experience is I played, you know, I played it when it on on early access launch day. I played it um, several months after that, and every time I get 
annoyed with the same elements, which is a shame because I love the look of it. I was a big supporter of the game um, when the Kickstarter came out. I I put some money into the Kickstarter myself. Um, Obviously, recorded lines for it. uh, And again, don't know if they kept those recordings. Um, Also, I really hope I'm still in line to do a, a voice in Abe's Exodus. That'd be good. I hope they've not forgotten me there. But anyway, I don't know if, if I'm in We Happy Few, but you know, I c- clearly cared about what they were aiming for enough to uh, want to contribute. Because there's a lot to love in it. Yeah, yeah, like the aesthetic of it, the premise is great. The, this village that did a bad thing in the war and want to forget about it and everything. Uh, the whole Big Brother thing. And the idea of the two different versions of the village as well yes. is, is a fantastic idea. Yeah. Just the, the way it's implemented right now. Now, you never know, we might get used to it and find out ways to exploit it and whatever, but whew, on first go, it's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, that was a, that's been a problem with We Happy Few, consistently with my experiences with it is it gets overwhelming and I don't respond well to stress. No, me either. So, so I'm just like, I don't play video games to be stressed out, you know. And one simple, in my opinion, one simple tweak would fix this and just make the time for the happy pill to wear off much, much longer. There you go. You fixed your game. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm all about suspension of disbelief. And there are certain things we we accept in video games that aren't true, like a day-night cycle not being 24 hours. We That would be silly in a lot of games because you'd either never see day or never see night. But but an antidepressant wearing off after two minutes? After a couple minutes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's silly. Like, I can't... If you're taking pills that much, your liver will fall out of your ass. So there are times when you've got to be like, Let's get, let's make this a bit more believable. While your liver does fall out of your arse, and that's the thing, what, while your liver's falling out of your arse, everyone chases you around the village. So yeah. <laughs> if they see your liver fall out of your arse, you get chased. <laughs> and if you don't take them, you also get chased. And as far as I can tell, there's no way to avoid the eventual liver ar- the, out the arseness. The meter doesn't fade if you stop taking it for a while. It just stays on like 80, 90%. And they still got the things about getting sick and bleeding and all the other things you got to worry about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, maybe I'm just dumb, but I feel like the game hasn't explained half its mechanics to me at this point. I keep discovering things by accident. That was an issue I had when I first played it as well. Uh, someone compared it to Hello Neighbor, or they were at least expressing worry that it might turn out to be another Hello Neighbor situation. And I wouldn't go that far because it's nowhere near as just obfuscating and unexplained and vague as Hallow Neighbor. But there are elements that are Hallow Neighbor-ish in terms of you having to stumble on things by accident. Yeah, I will say this, though. If you are someone who does enjoy that kind of stuff, like the, the sheer hardcore survival things, then you you will probably love this because it's the first one I can think of that really has a really good story as well. So... It's not that I don't recommend it. I just think for me, it got to a point where I find started to, like we said, find it very stressful <laughs> instead of fun. And I mean, the, the developers kind of made a rod for their own back when it comes to that story, because a lot of people did not expect it to at heart be another survival game. You know, a lot of them saw that trailer at E3 uh, last year. I think it was last year um, for at the Xbox conference. 
where they thought, holy shit, this is quite Bioshocky, and they expected something in that vein. Um, and myself, when I saw the original trailer for the, the Kickstarter before the Kickstarter came out, I was not expecting a, a survival game. And then when I started playing it for the very first time, my heart kind of sank. And I feel like a lot of people went into this expecting one thing and will get another. Because it seems there's quite a lot of hype about it. Yeah, I mean, with good reason. There's, as you said, there's a lot to like about it. Uh, there's a lot to be potentially excited for. It's just my prior experiences with the game have tempered my expectations considerably. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to give it a look, but I'm definitely going to turn off as many of the survival mechanics as possible before I do so. Yeah, you, you, you might... Um... Like in the beginning, you might regret your decision because you're like, well, this is a little too easy now. But trust me, by the time you get to the city, the amount of fucking meters that you have to be constantly watching just... I hate that shit. Yeah, that that does not sound like my jam. Yeah. I'd, I, I would get a fucking job as a traffic warden if I wanted to stare at meters all day. Lovely Rita, meter maid. Actually, I love all the Beatles references in the game. Yeah. Like Mr. Mister Kite and all. There's like so many of the lines in the game are, are lyrics from Beatles songs, which I thought was really cool. I mean, the whole, yeah, the whole thing has a nice sort of psychedelic thing to it. It's And it's wonderfully British. <laughs> yes. Like even right, maybe it's less noticeable as British people for you two, but the vernacular, even in the menus, the vernacular they use is very kind of old school British and it's very charming. I pick up on that a lot more than I used to now that I've been in this country for so long. Yeah. Um, I, I get, I, I, little turns of phrases that I'd completely forgotten kind of make my day now. Even, even stuff like give him a proper wallop instead of hit that guy, you know? <laughs> it's very, very charming. I mean, when I when I was recording lines for them, I had to look up some stuff they were having me say oh, really? because it was so British that I'd forgotten, like, some of these words and references. <gasps> You've been taking too much joy, Jim. You're losing your memories. I have. You've been inhaling too much America. Yeah, too much asbestos. <laughs> too much uh, too much asbestos. <laughs> That's what our joy pills are made out of. They're just plastic, um, what's it, those little casings just full of asbestos. That'll perk you right up. <laughs> so we've, we've, we've got a couple of other little bits quickly this week. Uh, a, couple, a couple of news bits that came up this week. Um, that Nintendo online subscription thing for online gaming is apparently still coming next month. Oh, we know yeah. a fucking thing about it. Uh, we did find out one thing today, kind of. Uh, following in Sony's footsteps rather than the way Microsoft does things, it looks like you won't need Nintendo's online subscription to play free-to-play games. Oh. So this has been a thing for a while between Sony and Microsoft. On the PS4, you can play games like, say, Fortnite. Not that you should, because they'll lock you in and you'll never be able to play anywhere else. Mm. But you can play free-to-play online games or online demos and betas and things. Like, not full-released paid products. You can play them online on your PS4 without having to pay for PlayStation Plus. On Xbox, you do have to play for Xbox Live to be able to play free-to-play games. Nintendo has not officially said anything about this, 
But if you look on the eShop at the moment, pretty much every paid game with online, uh, both first party and third party, I think the examples I looked at were Mario Kart 8 and Minecraft, have a disclaimer on them now to say, hey, in about a month's time, you're going to have to buy an online subscription to keep playing this online. But free-to-play stuff like Fortnite and Paladins don't have this disclaimer in their descriptions on the eShop. Oh. So it it seems like Nintendo are just going to be like, hey, you want to play Fortnite and that's a free game? Yeah, we're not going to make you buy an online subscription to play Fortnite. That's fair. It's it's kind of bollocks that you'd have to... I mean, it's the whole paid-for online thing. When you take a step back and, f- like... It's kind of, yeah. It's bollocks. It's, it's bollocks. Yeah, you, you don't have to pay for it on PC, for example, but... It's, it's become so normal we've accepted it. But, yeah. I mean, it's. I guess it's extra bollocks for a free-to-play game. Considering the standards were most... Most of them were set by Microsoft, it's good that they, that this is, this is definitely better than the way Microsoft does it, where you need to pay for online to play a free-to-play game. Almost any standard set by Microsoft is a bad fucking standard. Yeah. So that was a bit of news. Um, That Spyro trilogy that's coming out next month, only one of the games is playable off the disc. Oh yeah, I did a video on that one. Yeah, uh, a lot of people said that it's not really news; it doesn't really matter. It kind of, yeah, but it's just a nice reminder that Activision's a bunch of twetos. Like, here's the thing: maybe there's reasons for it. Maybe, maybe they didn't fit on the disc. Maybe they, you know, needed more time to finish them off, but the disc has to go gold or something. the The thing that sucks in my eyes is five years from now. When the servers go down, that disc is only going to be able to play one game as opposed to three. Yeah, and that that kind of sucks. That we're going like, it just means that that disc, unless they like update it, and maybe like six months from now, printings of that disc have the full three games on in a playable state, maybe. But unless something changes, that sucks for archival mm. because once those servers go down, two thirds of that that collection won't work. You know. I love that we can still shove our dusty old fucking, you know, Mario World cartridge into the Super Nintendo and it still fucking plays like a dream. I see I see less and less chance of that with today's uh, today's games. On a more immediate level, um, as well as archival, I think shit like this has no excuse while America's internet situation is still so pathetic. It, we're, we're still in a place where plenty of people don't have internet or have such unreliable internet. Like, here, Comcast's so fucking dreadful. I, I can't do business some days. And, and my, my whole internet, you know, my whole job is online. And on one of the many days Comcast decides not to work, I can't do my job that day. Um, until the infrastructure of this country is not a fucking joke, then shit like this is not something you can just shrug and say, eh, we've all got internet now, just deal with it. Sorry, not in this country. This country's internet situation is a fucking pathetic joke. So shit like this, and until that's fixed, is, is not acceptable. It's inconsiderate at, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to throw in quickly this week is I did play one other game I just wanted to give a quick nod to that I think was like, what I've played of it so far has been really interesting. Uh, it's a game called Flipping Death, which it's out on the Switch. I don't know what else it's out on, if it's out on anything else, but I've been playing it on Switch. I think it's on PS4 at least as well. It's a 
2D side-scrolling sort of platform puzzle game where you play as a teenage girl who prematurely dies and through a series of misunderstandings ends up taking on the job of the Grim Reaper while he goes on a holiday to the moon because it's the only place where there's no dead humans to bother him. And it's all about... You've basically got two mirror versions of this same world and you're trying to possess humans to get them to do things in the physical world that will help you solve problems for these ghosts that want to be laid to rest. I thought you were going to say you possess them and get them killed. <laughs> I, 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 mm, part of the plot seems like maybe it's going that way and I might be about to do that perhaps, oh. but, uh, yeah, it's all just like, hey, this ghost has this problem and can't, like, move on to the afterlife because they've still got, you know, issues with the living possess some of the living and and try and get them to, to do stuff. The writing's really funny. It's got really nice voice acting. Uh, the art style is fab. It's got this really interesting, like... It, it's got a very sort of Paper Mario-esque thing in that it's 2D objects moving in 3D space. But sometimes these paper-thin objects will, like, curve so that you can sort of see the edges of the paper and... It's very interesting watching the, these sort of like stylized 2D objects in a 3D space. It's, I've not played more than maybe an hour and a half of it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Okay, that, that's had my attention, that game. Yeah, the, the first hour and a half or so, the puzzles have been pretty good, the humour's been good, it looks really nice, I'm having a blast with it. I would say it's worth checking out. I may have to get that. On Switch, of course, because apparently everything I get now has to be on Switch. I, I don't fucking play anything if it's not on Switch at this point. I've been ruined. Nintendo, you have ruined my consumption of games. <laughs> what do we do when Nintendo releases the follow-up to the Switch and it's not a handheld hybrid thing? You get you get the glorious-looking PC version of uh, <laughs> Breath of the Wild, Laura. Oh, that... that... That did look gorgeous. On a new Nintendo console. I I don't want to play... Like, I, I don't play stuff at my, my PC anymore because it's in my office. And I'm like, if I want to play games, I don't want to be in my office. Feels too much like work. I've gotten to that point. Yeah, I've gotten to that point now where, like, I just spend my time in my office looking forward to getting out of the fucking office. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the thought that I can just sit down on the sofa and play it. Yeah, no, flipping flipping death is interesting. I I've enjoyed my first hour and a half or so with it. That's good. I'm, I I had I had some. I say it was on my radar, so I was I was curious. Now I'm now it's got my attention fully. I I think you would enjoy it, Jim. Um, the only thing that I think is a little bit weird that I've noticed so far. So in between chapters, you will get some like some nicely done voiceover that's like hey here's some some dialogue about what's happening it's all nicely voice acted uh and he does this while there's like you know it's doing a loading screen i kind of assumed if i pressed continue when the loading was done that this the the, the audio would continue and i'd get to hear the end of the story bit no you have to just kind of sit on the loading screen that has finished loading until it finishes telling you the story oh right so that's like, that's one thing very early on is like, hey, don't, uh, on that first loading screen where there's someone talking, don't press continue until they stop talking. Right. It's one little weird fiddly thing in a game that I very much enjoyed. That that could be good advice for our podcast for all three of us, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> don't continue till they stop talking. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, do we want to talk about anything else, or is that a place for us to wrap up? Um, um, I mean, I was going to just briefly mention I've been play- replaying Rise of the Tomb Raider since I realised I've got the world's most powerful video game console hooked up to the, P- uh, the 4K TV, and I don't use it. So I've been making myself use the Xbox One X. Um, so I was replaying Rise of the Tomb Raider because I had it on there. Uh, another case for waiting for the season pass to finish so that you can get it a bit cheaper and also have all of the stuff rather than wait for it. Um, that's the only way to get season passes as far as I'm concerned is after the season is done. Um so I instantly had all these costumes and DLC stuff to do. Like I finished the Baba Yaga uh, DLC uh, last night. Um, did you did you play the DLC in Craft Manor? Not yet, not yet. That was my favourite part of the entire game, actually. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, very, very. It it, it should it should have been in the main game. I felt. It almost felt like it was originally supposed to be, but maybe they didn't have time to finish it because it. It's so important for Lara's backstory in the main game that it felt like it should have been in the main game. Oh, I might have to do that before I continue with the campaign again then. Yeah, do play it because it's really, it's it's actually really cool. Cool, cool. One thing I noticed, uh, realized as I was playing it was as, as much as I remember enjoying it and as great as the game is, like it's great fucking fun. I don't remember a single thing about it. Replaying it is like playing a whole new game. Because I couldn't remember anything. And stuff I've been... Like, everything I've replayed up to now still doesn't feel all that familiar. There are a couple of little cutscene bits that I remember after I've seen them. I'm like, oh, wait, I remember this. She's going to turn out to be a thing. Oh, I remember that villain. Um, and that's about it. Like, specifics. It just jumbles up with the first Tomb Raider. Or sort of the first remake. Reboot. I felt that as well. But um, I felt that at odds with the first game, actually. I felt the first game had far more memorable um, parts and a, and, and a story and an arc for Lara. Yeah. You see, a lot of what I remembered, quote-unquote, about Rise of the Tomb Raider, I was actually just remembering from the 2013 one. So, yeah. Yeah. My God, I can't believe that was five years ago already. Jeez. I know. We're all old and decaying now. I, I do hope that they give her more of an arc um, in the third one because I, I really loved in the first one she really did have character development and that's what made that game so memorable was her journey from like the the kind of opening where she was kind of helpless and then that amazing moment where she climbs the tower mm. and kind of that was such a symbolic cool moment and then she becomes the violent psycho by the end and then in the second one she starts as like Tomb Raider Lara and ends as Tomb Raider Lara, but just knows a bit more about her dad, you know? Yeah, some more development of Lara as a character would be good. I'd like to see a bit more globetrotting again. I love I love these new Tomb Raiders, but I do miss... I guess we have Uncharted to fill that, that void now, but I do miss the idea of travelling around different places rather than just being in one location. Um, but that said... The use of space in those games is really good. I'm a big fan of using what space you have rather than just making a giant sprawling open world. And the amount of time you can spend in one area of the game exploring and collecting shit, it's done really well and not in a way where I feel bored by a collectathon. 
Um, so yeah, good stuff. Uh, long loading screens, bit sick of them, makes you not want to fast travel very much. Um, looks gorgeous, uh, ridiculously expensive. Um, yeah, oh, incredible, incredible animations and like, mm, yeah, like the hair physics and everything, facials and facials. <laughs> did I just say facials? <laughs> you did, <laughs> yeah, but the facial expressions uh continue to impress me, they're very expressive, like. It, you like Lara more as a character, even when she doesn't have much development, just because she is more expressive than a lot of video game protagonists. The actress who plays her does a very good job with her. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, so yeah, whatever emotion they need to do, she sounds and looks the part for it. So you, you just connect a lot more than a character that, you know, their face isn't all that animated, so they're like dull surprises every time. Whether it's finding out the long lost secrets of her father's past or getting a spike jammed through her face, <laughs> she expresses the particular emotion very well. <laughs> yes, all of it exquisitely, lovingly <laughs> animated. <laughs> okay, um, Laura now has to rush off uh, and put on, literally put her skates on. So, Laura, where can people find out your work on the internet, please? You can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Twitch. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can find me on Dice Funk, which is a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons real play podcast. I'm on seasons three and four. They're all self contained stories. You can find me on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a silly podcast where I do voices and skits and stuff with Jane Magnet. Uh, probably end of this year, you can find me doing a serious book where I talk about feelings. And also, probably summer of next year, you'll be able to find me doing a much sillier book. Uh, I've got a second book in the works already before the first one's even out, so... Prolific! Nice. Yeah, twenty like end of 2018, mid-2019 is going to be the year of Laura and books. Don't forget to stop and have a cup of tea every now and again. <laughs> I'll try my best, so be on the lookout for, like, there's book news incoming pretty soon. Cool. Uh, and Gavin, you do the music, and where can we hear that shit? I do do the music. You can find it on YouTube and on Spotify and Apple and all those places. And you can find my latest one, which was kind of half inspired by Kratos and half inspired by real life. And it's all about containing your rage and anger and finding ways to manage it. And uh, it's finally a YouTube video that's doing well. <laughs> mm, that's nice. I've had some decent success lately with just getting people to push it and share it. D despite YouTube's efforts to hide it, um, according to the poll I did on Twitter, hiding it to 17% of my audience. Sounds right. Like about 20% for me. Yeah, it's still done pretty well, thankfully. So go listen to that. And you can find me at Miracle of Sound on Twitter, where I am doing a very good job of not commenting on all the stuff that's going on in the world at the moment. And you can find me on Patreon. And if you want to chat to me, you can be a two-tier patron there and join my private Discord with all the awesome fans. There you go. Cool, cool. Um, with regards to my own Patreon, as, as many will now know, I'm kind of using the community tab on my Patreon page as a replacement for AskFM since AskFM was the drizzling shits in terms of controlling anyone in that community. Um you know, uh, any patronage amount gets you to post on there. Um, and I'm generally pretty open about questions. Some of them will get taken down if they're a bit uncomfortable. It won't be a, a knock on you as the asker. 
Um, it's just, you know, some of them I don't want to leave hanging unanswered uh, if I don't feel in a position to answer. Um, you will not find me at The Escapist, by the way. That was erroneous information, um, penciled-in information from when I was having a discussion about maybe contributing some work there. Uh, I won't be at an Escapist PAX panel or anything like that. Um, I say outdated info. People were very confused yesterday when that went out. Um, not not true. Uh, still Jim Dependent. Although, might be doing some wrestling opinion for another outlet um, just here and there. Um, by popular demand, it would seem. Uh, it seems to be a, a, a meeting of minds that, that people be sort of people were excited for the mere hint of it uh, very recently. So looking forward to that. Um, I think that's about it. Um, again, please feel free and, and if you like the Jimquisition and everything, do share it. That's really helping. It's it's helping cover some of the ground lost. Um, you know, I lost about twenty percent of my views. Um, Similar to, to Gav. Fucking YouTube. Wow, fucking. For the record, I am also not uh, with The Escapist again. I'm still staying independent, so. Yeah. Um, ultimately, like, after it turned out that, you know, they were being bought out by another corporation, and, and I was under the impression it might have been a bit more of an indie-run thing. Um, just felt like going backwards. Um, you know, no hard feelings there or anything. Certainly not with the new management. Um, but, yeah, just bit of a step back to go back into the whole corporate humdrum so yeah thank you all for listening as always we're gonna go off now goodbye bye, bye.